welcome to another episode of Travel with a Chance of Murder, the travel and true crime podcast where we take you through the tips and tricks of visiting destinations around the globe and follow it up with a true crime tale to try and scare you away a little bit. I'm Cassidy, and I'll be your spooktacular storyteller, the host that walks you through each city or country's terrifying tale of true crime. On the other end of the mic, we have Allie, our travel guru, who takes us off of the bean path and helps us explore things we've never heard of, but definitely need to experience. This week, I'm joined with a co-host. Sadie is from Virginia, but we met at a college in Victoria, British Columbia. So this week, in honor of that, our city that we are visiting is Victoria. Welcome to the podcast, Sadie. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) I'm excited to have you. What the heck brought you to Victoria all the way from Virginia? Oh, great question. I got asked that so many times and I still get asked that and I still don't really have like a formulated answer for it. But honestly, it was not an informed decision. I needed to pick a school and UVic was the last one that I toured. So then I chose it. But actually, I was looking at going to Queens, which is in Ontario. And so I was like deciding between UVic and Queens and also Vermont pretty much. And then I chose Victoria because they don't get snow. (laughs) That's a good reason. (laughs) They'll get a little bit of snow, but mostly no snow. And the other ones get a lot of snow. Sadie and I lived in a residence building together and we got picked on a lot because we were the two Americans. So we (laughs) formed a friendship over that and joined together and I convinced her to join a sorority and she's been my partner in crime through lots of adventures. So I'm excited to see all the things you have to take us through the travel tips for Victoria. Okay, fun fact first about us and the birth of our friendship. For the first month that we knew each other, I really thought you did not like me at all. But then randomly, you were like, Sadie, I think you're my best friend here. And (laughs) then our friendship just grew and blossomed from there. The spin class has really sealed the deal. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. We used to wake up at how early? It was so early. Oh my God. Why did we do that? I don't know. I just remember the the Halloween class and our instructor had a full on like jack-o'-lantern in his hair. He like orange hair. He's painted, wasn't he? Oh, I don't know. Maybe he did both. <laughs> don't trust my memory. It was quite the sight to roll up to class and just see you like, decked out. Gotta stay fit. So what's the okay. first place we're going to? So we are going to Victoria today. Most of the things that I am talking about are going to be food related, which is ideal in my eyes. <laughs> so we're going to start off strong with my favorite item to consume, bubble tea. I did not know that bubble tea existed until I moved to Victoria. And what? I, yeah. So that's crazy. I think that's probably like the number one thing I'm thankful for about moving to Victoria. Forget the friendships, forget the college education. <laughs> I discovered bubble tea. And I discovered it at a place literally called the bubble tea place. That is its name. And it's in Chinatown. So you bust in a pretty little penny tiled floor and the sign outside also says something about Thai massage, but don't be confused. They serve bubble tea. So bust in there. And then they have these really giant menus with so many different flavors and you can mix and match. They have like milk alternatives and then they have a ton of different jellies and pearl options. And it's just amazing. Like whatever flavor you get, it's so good. That wall is so overwhelming when you walk in and you look at and trying to decide what to order. There's 
probably at least 30 different combinations. And it, mm-hmm. if you're not familiar with bubble tea, there's everything from like fruit flavors to traditional like black teas. So, I mean, like Sadie said, there's not really a wrong option. I'm pretty sure that they have an option where you can just be like, surprise me. Well, I mean, you can do that anywhere. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's like a thing on the menu where you can be like, I want this. And that's very, they get to like pick whatever flavor combination and just give it to you. Okay, moving on from the bubble tea place. Next, we're going to have a main dish, a main dinner at Pagliacci's, the classic, the best pasta place ever to exist. Got full off of bread, had like two bites of my pasta, and then had to take the rest home. The bread is so amazing, but don't be fooled and don't (laughs) fill up on it because the pasta is even better. I think my sister ate the whole bread bowl herself when she was on a date. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Um, it is a classic first date spot though, or just like any celebration spot. It's so good. Go to Pagliacci's, but they do not take reservations and there's typically a long line. So go early or be prepared to wait in line. Yeah. Yeah, I've never seen it without a line. Yeah. Even if you do go early, probably a line, but they, they circulate it fast and they have live music sometimes. So the ambiance is just Mm. ah, so good. Quite the place. So go to Pagliacci's. If you don't like pasta, then another solution for you. Or maybe you could go to Pags for dinner. And for lunch, you could go to Redfish Bluefish, which is downtown in the harbor. And this is fish and chips. There's so many fish and chips spots in Victoria, but this is for sure the best. I almost went one fish, two fish, like Dr. Seuss. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's probably where they got the name. So is that in the inner harbor of Victoria? Yeah, it's in the Inner Harbor, just, like, around the corner. So it's Inner Harbor, but, like, boop. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> the Inner Harbor is definitely a must-see spot, too. There's lots of mm-hmm. cute little shops. You can really get a sense of how old Victoria is, and there's lots of hotels down there, so it's probably mm-hmm. a good area to stay if you want to be, like, at the heart of the city. They have a market in the Inner Harbor in the summertime, like, at night. They have a nice night market that's pretty sweet. And it's right in front of the parliament building, or I guess legislature building, when it's all lit up at night. And the Empress is always pretty to look at. So for sure, a pretty place to take a walk and munch on some fish and chips. (laughs) Um, What other things are we going to eat? We're also going to eat at a pizza place called Pizzeria Prima Strada. They have an oven from Italy, so you know they're legit. But actually, this place is amazing. Their crust is just like the perfect balance between like crusty and doughy and the toppings, crime. So go get some pizza between the fish and chips and the pasta. (laughs) Wait, I have to ask you. This is like very pressing and it might make or break our friendship. Oh my God. Does pineapple belong on pizza or does it not belong on pizza? Okay, your tone and your expression are literally giving nothing away to what the right answer is so I'm just gonna speak my truth pineapple is great on pizza (laughs) I'll have to make it a poll for our listeners if you can we'll see if you side with Sadie or if you side with the correct answer which it does not belong okay that's a little bit biased (laughs) I was trying to be very what's the word poker face I was trying to really worked I really didn't know (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, I, I eat pizza without pineapple on it. But if it does have pineapple on it, that's great, too. I'm open. So we ate three giant meals 
Now, oh, and we had this sugary drink. So now we're gonna finish out our eating at a bakery, crust bakery. This is, I think, probably the first bakery that I ate at in Victoria. And, and then I just kept eating there for like the next five years. They had cronuts back when cronuts came out and were like the biggest hit and they were so good. And they also just have like tarts and they have sandwiches and like the most beautiful fresh baked loaves of bread. They also have coffee and stuff. And it's next to um, from Russell's, the fun bookshop. So you can grab a pastry and then walk on over to Russell's and browse some old used books. That's what's <laughs> so great about downtown Victoria. Like three quarters of it is so walkable. Mm-hmm. It's all so close together. Slice of bread in one hand and your bubble tea in the other hand. Oh, that sounds like <laughs> a dream day. I'm going to get bubble tea later. All right. So now we're going to take a break from the food and talk about some fun places to go. So Victoria is so awesome because they have so many beaches. Also, there are mountains. And so there are a lot of nice hikes. Victoria has a little bit of everything, all within close range. So for a hike, the classic hike is the trestle. Um, It's like this old railroad bridge that is no longer in use. Do not worry. You will not get hit by a train. The first time I went to hike the trestle with my friend who was visiting from Virginia, who was not the most like outdoorsy hike loving person. I was like, oh, this is going to be an easy hike. Don't even worry about it. Everyone tells me super quick, super fun. So we pull into the park and like you can, you park on one side of the road. What I did not know was that the trestle is on the other side of the road. So I parked there and it looked like that's where the park was. So I was like, this seems right. So I just started walking towards a trailhead. Turns out that we hiked Mount Finn, which is like notoriously one of the tougher hikes on the (laughs) island, at least like in Victoria. And so it was brutal. It's so steep. And like, it's like rock scrambling at some points. And then we never saw the Trestle Railroad Bridge until a couple years later when I hiked it for realsies. At least you have good memories of the Trestle too, with my sister and I hiking it up, playing Mm -hmm. some Uno. Hiking it down. She got injured. Oh my gosh, I forgot. <laughs> she slips. She falls. <laughs> she, she gets injured, but she's the one who drove us there. So then I had to drive her car. And the first gas station we get to, I'm like, you look like you're in so much pain. We better get you some ice at the very least. <sighs> okay, that's the trestle. So go for a fun hike. Then go to Beacon Hill Park to the petting zoo and play with baby goats. You can go touch and pet the baby goats. They'll like jump on your back and they'll chew your hair. And if you have ripped jeans, they'll chew that. They'll chew whatever is there. (laughs) They're so cute and they're so fun. And there's also adult ones. So don't ignore those ones. So go to the petting zoo and then you can go to the Beacon Hill (laughs) drive-in. More food. Surprise. Their soft serve's amazing. Yeah. So go to the Beacon Hill Park Petting Zoo and then go to the Beacon Drive-In, get some ice cream, and then take a walk along Beach Drive and Dallas Road. It's just like a beautiful coastal area. You can see all the beach. Go down to the sandy beach if you want. The last outdoor place I have, and then I have one fun nightlife recommendation. The last outdoor place is Willow's Beach in Oak Bay. Oak Bay is like a more residential part of Victoria. It's like a little further out from downtown. Um, but they have a lot of really nice houses that are fun, kind of fun to just walk past and look at. And they also have really nice beaches like Willows. And in the summer, Willows hosts the Oak Bay Tea Party, which is like a big summer fun fair carnival thing. Honestly, like mostly for little kids, but still really fun. 
And there's also fun places to go to get tea, afternoon tea in Oak Bay, if you don't want to pay the expensey Empress prices. I've gone to both the Oak Bay tea room and I've been to the Empress for tea, but the Empress is so expensive. Their tea's beautiful and it's phenomenal, but it's really expensive. And for someone who likes to travel often, I don't like to do too many lavish experiences. So to still get that nice refined tea experience with the three layered tray and the mini sandwiches and the fine china, the Oak Bay tea rooms I get off. It was fun. Okay, last thing to do in Victoria is a nightlife activity. So if you go to Lucky's on a Monday night, then it's 90s night and they play really, really fun music. And so you can dress up in the 90s style if you want and then go rock out to some fun childhood jams. It's so fun and the playlists are always really good. It's crowded, make guest list. That is my recommendation. So make guest list. Get in there before whenever the guest list cuts off and then have fun. (laughs) Dance your heart's desire. Ah, so fun. I miss 90s night. Okay, that's it. That's all my places to go in Victoria. Obviously, there's a lot more than that, but those are just a couple fun things. No, those were good. Those were a good mix of like things I haven't done and things I know about. There you go. You're welcome. Okay. I'm excited. Okay, what story are we going to hear? So my story this week caught my eye because it's very Hollywood movie-ish. Like when I was reading it, I thought of like Mean Girls and I thought of, have you seen the 80s movie Heathers? No, but I have seen Mean Girls. But this week, the Victoria murder is the murder of Rena Virk. Okay. When did this happen? Is it like a throwback one or more recent? It happened in the 90s and it has a lot of underaged people as like the main characters so Mm -hmm. a lot of them are under 18 so it's not like their actual real name it's gonna be whatever name I either assigned to them or was in the news article and then I kind of just kept it I almost called them Sadie as a fun prank but I didn't think it'd be very fun (laughs) oh my god such a funny prank is Marina in on it too seems like classic Newman (laughs) but let's go back to the year of 1997 Mm -hmm. our two characters are Kelly and Laura Mm-hmm. Did you guess it? They are BFFs. Or you didn't guess it, but okay. Laura's charismatic. She's confident. She's dreamed about moving to New York to join the mob. What? <laughs> <laughs> not what I was expecting. I thought it was going to be like to be an actor. What? Not to be an actor, not to be a model, but to be in the mob. This seems like foreshadowing, but okay, I'm ready. Yeah, you can tell right away. She's a little bit of a rebel. <laughs> Enter stage left, Rena Verk. She's a shy 14-year-old South Asian girl. She was rebelling against the rules of her home. Her parents were Jehovah's Witnesses. So she saw Laura and admired the freedom that she had. Rena decided to run away from her parents and was placed into the care of a group home, which is where she got to know Laura a bit more. According to her friends, Rena was a bit self-conscious about her weight. She struggled with self-esteem and was desperately seeking acceptance from her peers. I mean, what typical 14-year-old isn't? Yeah, really. (laughs) Sounds like any 14-year-old girl. (laughs) In order to try and fit in, Rena would paint her nails blue and listen to the notorious B.I.G. and Puff Daddy. (laughs) 1997! (laughs) At its prime. But, you know, in attempts to fit in, she also decided that it would be a good idea, for whatever reason, to take Laura's notebook 
and began to call some of the boys in it, telling them that Laura wasn't that pretty, like they thought she was, that she had AIDS, and that her (gasps) eyebrows were fake. Whoa, really weird range of insults. Yeah. (laughs) Some of those are kind of lighthearted, and some of those are a little intense. Yeah, so a little bit hardcore, a little interesting for a 14-year-old to come up with on her own. But as you can imagine, Laura was less than thrilled that Rena would pull this stunt Mm -hmm. and made a plan with her BFF, Kelly, to get some revenge. Ooh. Mm -hmm. What are friends for other than to extract revenge? (laughs) (laughs) So that Friday night, there was a Russian satellite that broke apart in the sky. There were about 50 or 60 teenagers that gathered in the back of the schoolyard. I guess this was a thing that they would do frequently. They would go hang out behind the school every Friday. (laughs) All right, that's fine. But it was actually kind of cute. It said all the cliques would mingle at this time. Whether you were a jock or you were a nerd or you were a cheerleader, they'd all kind of hang out. So that's kind of cute. But none of them were aware of Kelly and Laura's revenge scheme. The police came to the school and broke up the party. So the teens moved their gathering underneath the local bridge. A fight broke out suddenly with Laura putting a cigarette bud out on Rena's forehead. Oh my gosh! Whoa! Aggressive! (laughs) No kidding. They're like 16 and 14. Why were they smoking cigarettes? (laughs) Great question to start with. 1997. (laughs) So Rena obviously cried out in pain, and this is when Kelly punches her with a closed fist. The teenagers either ran away from the fight or watched in horror as six girls and one boy began to kick and punch Rena (gasps) as she laid in the mud, begging them to stop. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh my gosh. Girly pups got violent. I don't like this. Whoa. It wasn't until a girl who was known to be an Egyptian kickboxer told everyone to stop and then the crowd dispersed. What is known to be an Egyptian kickboxer mean? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Why? Was she Egyptian or was she specializing in Egyptian kickboxing? What is guess, this? That's not the part of the story I latched on to. All right, all right. <laughs> but that's a great that. question for further thought. Potential plot hole, but okay, we'll keep going. So the kids were seeing Rena, obviously, like, lying in the mud, crying, asking for help, and bleeding, but no one really offered to help her. Some of them also said that they saw her walking home, but she would never make it there. And eight days later, police divers retrieved her badly bruised body from cold, dark water underneath the bridge. Oh my god. Yeah, it's really sad. This is a really sad story. Mm-hmm. This was, of course, before social media, so tons of gossip. It's a small town. A girl's missing for eight days. There's going to be tons of conversation around, you know, speculation of what happened. And of course, with so many people that were actually there, there's probably lots of gossip about the six people that were actually hitting her, what would be done, etc. So when a coroner's autopsy came back, finding extensive damage to Rena's body, charges were obviously brought about. Mm-hmm. And sorry, I'm going to drop another sad, extra sad fact on you. The report said that even if she hadn't been like in the water, she would have died from the blows to her head and to her abdomen. So she, like she was that oh badly, that badly beaten. Oh my God. This is so horrible. This is literally like the ultimate bullying sad story. Yeah. Police arrested eight teenagers for the fight. Six of them were charged with aggravated assault for the first attack. And this includes Laura, whose diary or journal or notebook or whatever was exposed and had these things said about her. 
the remaining two teenagers had apparently followed her over the bridge and then beaten her again and drowned her. So these two obviously got further charges. And of course, because of the severity of the crime, these two teenagers were deemed to be charged as adults. Mm -hmm. So we know their names. Police released Uh their names. And these two were Kelly Ellard and Warren Glaukowski. So in (laughs) Kelly's interviews and trial after the crime, Kelly tried to blame the incident on Laura, saying that she was just a scapegoat in the whole thing. Oh, so they turned on each other after that. Interesting. That's that's a funny thing. So Laura is saying she doesn't talk about Kelly at all. She won't say anything. Like she just doesn't turn her in or like say anything. She just doesn't bring up her name. But Kelly's mm-hmm. over here being like, she did it. It's her fault. Like, I'm innocent. Oh, shady. Mm-hmm. However, police found a black Calvin Klein jacket in Kelly's closet with salt water consistent with samples taken from the gorge. So it, uh-huh. it's pretty irrefutable that she was around there. Yeah. She claimed it was from another time when she went swimming. But, I mean, let's... <laughs> Plus, there were other firsthand accounts from teenagers that were saying... Kelly was going around school saying, I finished her off and I held the girl's head underwater. So (laughs) (laughs) not exactly looking great from her. Mm -mm. So 16 year old Warren Glukowski, who was the other person who was charged with these like more severe crimes. He grew up in pretty difficult circumstances. His alcoholic mother was absent most of his life. And at the time of when this situation occurred and like Reno was killed. He was living at a friend's house because his father left British Columbia to go live without him in California. So he had a pretty difficult upbringing. Mm. Not that that excuses his actions, but hey. Humanizes him, I guess. Yeah. In June of 1999, he was convicted by a judge of second degree murder and was sentenced to life in prison. But of course, Kelly (laughs) came from a nice, stable, traditional family. They supported her at her trial and it took her three trials and almost a decade to actually be convicted. What? Three trials? What happened? Glad you asked. In her first trial, <laughs> she presented herself as this, like, demure schoolgirl. She talked in, like, a hushed voice. The judge was, like, praising her love of animals and handed her the lightest sentence possible. Oh, my God. What do loving animals have to do with killing someone? Like, very different things. Very, very different. And... You're not the only one who thought so, because in 2001, the Supreme Court of Canada overturned her conviction, saying that she had been improperly questioned. So they pushed her through to another trial because they were kind of saying she didn't get questioned well enough during this first trial. So in the second trial, prosecutor Catherine Murray challenged Kelly a bit harder, which brought out a different side of Kelly in the courtroom. Ooh, like the dark side of Kelly? Well, in this case, Kelly was known to roll her eyes a bunch, talk in a lot of sarcasm, and at one point she even screamed, I am not a monster. I will say I did not kill Rena Kirk until the day I die. So they totally saw a different side of than the quiet little schoolgirl that she presented Mm -hmm. in the first trial. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, this trial ended in a mistrial when the jurors deadlocked 11 to 1. So they pushed through to a third trial, and in 2005... Kelly was finally found guilty and appeals were denied. Okay, so now what is her sentence? Life? We're going to talk about Warren first. Okay. So in prison, Warren Glukowski took responsibility for his crime. He participated Mm -hmm. in restorative justice programs and even met with Rena's parents and apologized to them for his actions. 
That's he explained nice. that he didn't really have any motive at the time of the attack and through tears he actually ended up exchanging hugs with her parents oh that's such a nice ending for every well i mean i guess someone still died but like restorative justice you know mm-hmm. it works and it's really positive i mean they committed this at 16 right they were so so young yeah like so impressionable but hey we got kelly <laughs> ah what's kelly up to these days in jail, Kelly spent her years in prison repeating her claims of innocence, taking illegal drugs, and breaking the rules. Awesome. She changed her name and by 2016 gave birth to a child that was conceived during a conjugal visit with her boyfriend, an ex-convict. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Okay, not great. What happens to a baby that is born to an incarcerated person? I have never known the answer to this. I, I don't know either. I think they I go to next legal boyfriend. Friend. Then, yeah. Oh, yeah, he'd him. be on the outside, so maybe it would go to him. <laughs> He's on the outside. Okay, so murder Kelly has a 40-year-old child now. <laughs> Kelly is now in her late 30s and has a second child with the same partner. She's also granted parole as part of the program to reintegrate her into the community. All right. I mean, like, here's hoping that she takes responsibility and also has some sort of restorative justice measures mm-hmm. in her life. On a slightly brighter note, Rena's parents channeled their grief over Rena into a public awareness campaign against bullying and teenage violence. They pushed the British Columbia government to enact a series of anti-bullying programs in schools and spoke about bullying in public meetings that were attended by thousands of children and teachers and law enforcement officials And in 2009, they were honored with the British Columbia's Anthony J. Holm Award of Distinction for their contribution to crime prevention and community safety. Aww, that's so nice. That's such a, see, another positive outcome. They've really done well. But that is the story of the murder of Rena Burke that still haunts the community of Victoria and Vancouver Island. Okay, that was kind of awful. I was not expecting something so sad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But there are positive mm, aspects to the outcome, I guess. Yeah, I was trying to find something that wouldn't be just like 100% awful, but it's it's so hard. It's true crime usually. It's true crime, yeah. (laughs) I don't know what I was expecting. Like, someone is going to be killed. (laughs) Yeah. But thanks for joining us in this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed this week's travels, and we'll see you next time at our next destination. On behalf of the flight crew, thank you for flying with us, and have a pleasant day.